A fabulous free kick from Leighton Baines. Dawson, oh, what a finish from Ben Dawson. It's 2 0. It's scored by Tim Cahill in injury time for Everton. Ferguson, the 16 year old, to Wilbraham, the 40 year old. Stunning from Hamas Rodriguez. And here into Henderson. And Ian Henderson. Hello and welcome back to the Men and Blue podcast. This is episode 23, part of our end of season review. We've been away for a little while, of course, because we've had holidays, we've had new jobs, we've had just life getting in the way. But we're back and to look at the season that was the 2021-22 season in English football. We're joined today, of course, by my brother Matt. Matt, currently halfway through, I think, a garlic bread. Um, so perfect time to ask you, how are you doing? Pizza, I love you. No, pizza is very nice. Very, Ita- very Italian. I'm doing alright. Back from holiday. It's, it's very Italian theme. Uh, yeah, back from holiday. Ready to reflect on an absolute shit show of a season. So fantastic stuff. Uh, we're also joined by Greg, of course, our resident Rochdale supporter. Greg, how are we doing, mate? How's life? How was your holiday? Yeah, superb. Yes, we've just come back from Gran Canaria for ten days, so we're all. Our batteries are recharged, if you will, and all sorts like that. Uh, ready to talk about the um, what's the depression that is Rochdale AFC? Well, that's always you know good to know that you're ready to go and talk about the perpetual disappointment of Rochdale. Um, we can say that because it's true. And we're joined, of course, by Deck, our newly inducted fourth member of the podcast. How are we doing, Deck? How are we getting on? Uh, yeah. All good. Uh, glad to be a, an official podcaster now, uh, no longer just a guest. Uh, yeah, not too bad. Obviously, season it could have been. Yeah, congratulations, Dak, on becoming the Ringo star of the podcast. The last one to join, but you complete the Fab Four, shall we say. Um, also, not the best drummer in the pod. <laughs> but he has got a ukulele, which is a mean ukulele player, just for anyone who's wanting to know that. But yeah, of course, you've got a, your residential tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Got your shorts packed. This is Fantastic. True. Good to know. Right, so, where shall we begin? Do we want to begin? Not really. I know, let's begin. Let's start from the top. Well, sort of the top. Everton, not really the top at all, is it? Top division. Um, Matt particularly, but lads in general, um, anything we haven't already said about the utter just crap that was Everton Football Club over the last nine months? Anyone got anything to add on that, to be perfectly honest with you, while we review the, well, the pitch invasion that was? At least we didn't go down. There's that. That's, that's literally the only positive is we didn't go down. Because at one point... Well, there was a point, was it Burnley away? Where I genuinely thought that was it. If we're winning, it two up, I think, wasn't it? A, a half-time. Yeah, so we've gone 1-0 and 2-1 up with... No, sorry, 1-1 one, one to 2-1 with two penalties, which when do Everton get a one two penalty one, to mind two? And then even know. at half-time, it was like, nah, still losing. But go ahead. And it was just a case of, I thought that was it. I genuinely thought, I don't know where this team gets points from. And somehow, some way, through people tying themselves to goalposts, through to a variety of other situations, we blagged our way out of the eradication zone. In what is the weirdest 45 minutes of my entire life, getting the updates from the Crystal Palace game. Because there was a part of me that we were, we were sat together whilst that game was happening. And as much as the relief kicked in, at the same time, there was the, 
this is this is so sad. This is so ridiculously sad that I'm sat here praying. Pardon me for a, a home win against Palace. So we haven't got to go to Arsenal and get something, which thank God, because that was, a, again, that would have been horrendous on the last day. It was just a season of, thank God it's over. And we're not going to touch too much on pre-season, that's, that's for next month's pod, but even the reports coming out of already show that it's going to be an interesting summer in many, many ways. And I don't even know if I'm looking forward to next season. I know you kind of say new season, clean slate, but God, it's a tough year. It's been ever so fun in the grand scheme of things. Um, I appreciate, you know, the derbies of this world, etc. But, yeah, not an enjoyable 10, 9 months, whatever it was. Put it that way. Also, yeah, Everton, the epitome of um, New Year, New Me. And it's the same old shit, isn't it? So, we'll see. It w- But, yeah, it was, it was, apart from, what, Richarlison lobbing a flare, a dog being paraded around the outside of Goodison Park, who I, I maintain the dog should have got player of the season, um, literally, and, of course, special shout-out to the turn-up of Alex Awobi, who actually realised he wore a blue shirt for the first time in about three years. Um, not a lot else to report. I mean, I'm happy with Frank Lampard. I think he's had a lot of critics, um, especially with his Chelsea job, and obviously since he joined Everton. I'm happy for him. He's he's changed my perception of him from being Frank Latore to, well, Frank Latore, but kind of gets Everton. So, fair enough. Um, but, yeah, I'll, obviously, anyone else want to invite any thoughts on that or... Anything else to do with the utter horrible Merseyside Blue this year? I was a bit worried watching the Brentford game when he played Brentford. I was like, oh my word, like it's getting quite edgy that game. I remember watching it. I just couldn't see how they were going to stay up. Like a bit, I'm obviously quite edgy. We have to nine men, Greg. <laughs> Just awful. What's that to ten men inside fifteen minutes? I've only watched a few Everton games from like starts to you know. 90 minutes, what have you? And like the Spurs game of one and that were the other and a few of us are thinking, good Lord, I don't know how you guys stay sane. But, um... Why do you think I'll run? If it weren't for that Palace... Yes. If it weren't for that Palace win, it could have been... Oh, man. And you don't want it to go down to the last game. You really don't. I've had that at Rochdale and it's awful. We've, we've had it when Joey Thompson had to score... Well, when he scored against Charlton at home, it was bloody nerve-wracking. So... You just don't want it to go to the last game, really. Well, well, yeah, it is a bloody good job. We didn't want it to go to the last game because we got humped 5 1 at Arsenal. So, um, yeah, good job, really, lads. Thanks yeah, for that. They're, they're all been on the piss for the yeah, last three um, days. They also over celebrated yeah, the Palace game, and that was it. They're all the on the latch for at least don't three ask, days. I, I have to admit, I didn't agree with the end of game celebrations, you know, whatsoever from the players, particularly. Um, a little shout out to the Brentford game, though. Fun fact I um, was going to my girlfriend's parents for tea that night on a Sunday. Left the house and it was 2-1 to us. By the time I got into the car, we were 3-2 down. Genuinely, <laughs> that's how bad that was. So it literally took about two minutes to actually... Not saying it takes two minutes to get from the front door to my car. I'm not like Potter or anything. But, you know, it. yeah, it was that bad. Um, and I, I can top weirdness of those situations to the Palace game. I my girlfriend was in London for the day with work. I said I pick her up outside the the cobbles by the museum, ten o'clock ish when she got back from Liverpool, from London. Sorry, uh, I was greeted by a lot of joyous Evertonians, and outside the Empire Theatre that night, or on the Empire Theatre, was the Rocky Horror Picture Show. So I was met by football fans on to my left, and men in stockings and drag and everything else on the right. 
it was an amazing, amazing sight that I will never forget. Due to Dominic Carver-Lewin's having had it, Yates fifth minute just buying these Carver two things. Given his GQ magazine front covers, good chance. It, good chance. Know, I, I'm Might all have for been it. Davis. You know, I've been to see a few drag shows. It's great, but we don't know that was an Everton fan still, Matt. Don't judge yeah. a book by its cover here. I'm not saying that either way, but it was it made for a compelling viewing for my car window for the ten minutes I was sat there waiting for it. But there you go. That's that's. That's it's, a lot, it's a lot to take in, isn't it? All of that when the goal goes in as well. well it was a lot to take in. I imagine there might have been a few naked men. And beginning of next season, get a bit of you know, bit of um, do a lot worse. Call it on, yeah. Get a bit of like Vule Vule on or whatever. Yes. Uh, Robbie Williams. Uh, yeah, can't wait. Revealing new signing. Bridge. Reveal James Tarkovsky and, and Susie's in suspending their stockings, Sam. Sexy That'll be football. A weird, weird, weird sight. I want uh, it will be sexy football. I want Dex's opinion on Everton. What do you reckon, Dex? I want Dex being on suspenders, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, th- I think I'm taken aback a little bit there by Matt's story. <laughs> oh, I could talk all night, Jimmy. I could talk all night. Uh, now, in terms of Everton, I think. Um, I mean, you all know I'm not a, a big kind of follower of the Premiership football, but just from kind of an outside perspective, Lampard kind of came in, he did his job. Um, could someone have done it a little bit more comfortably? Possibly. Um, you know, he, he kind of left Everton at the end of the season in a similar position to where you were with Benitez. Um, just kind of fighting outside that, that kind of relegation zone. So really, has he just kept the momentum going that was there at the start of the season? I don't know. Um you know, you, you got got you winning against Crystal Palace. As you said, you don't want to be going down to the last game of the season. I think we've all kind of, certainly the, the lower league team supporters have, have been there, done that, <laughs> got the tear-stained T-shirt either way. Um, so I think, obviously, for, for you to have been going to, to Arsenal, not needing anything is great. And luckily, you didn't need anything. Um, obviously, you know, you, you, you kept yourselves up. But I think... Going forward, I know we'll discuss this in the pre-season um, episode in a, in a couple of weeks' time. But going forward, there's a there's a lot of changes needed. Um, I've just been looking there with Charleston. Apparently, there's some kind of player swap deal on the cards with Chelsea. Don't know who for. Um, Everton have valued him at seventy million. And is he a bit of a diamond in the rough? Is he is he as good as what people think he is, or is he just a a good player in a mediocre side? You've always got that kind of argument as to you know, is he the next big thing or is he just kind of the slightly less crap? Well, Charles is a player you, I don't know. you hate to have. Um, I don't know whether one of you no, no, to right. take over. You want in your squad, but you hate him for anyone else. Because Gibbs got a hit, will battle for 90 minutes. Yeah, he might dive a little bit, shut up, Jamie Carragher. Um, but he will give 110%. Him and Jordan Pickford pretty much kept us up. Pickford, I would say more. With saves, but Richarlison scored some pretty important Best goals. Describe Richarlison game. Sorry, Suarez straight he's away. a B tackle, Luis Suarez. Yeah, bit bit of that going on. Um, but he's a modern player. It's not as if every club hasn't got a player of that caliber, um, or not caliber, a player of that type, is what I should say. Where he wants to win and he's ambitious. And if he were to go in this summer, I do not blame him as long as it's to the right club and not Spurs, which was a very weird link the other day to see that one come up. I, th- I, I would see him going abroad football. if it were anyone. True, true. When Conte's there, so it would be it would be a strange 
signing from Everton's point of view, I think, to sell him, albeit not to a rival, but to a, another cl- club in the Premier League. I could see him going abroad. I think if I were Ancelotti, I'd maybe look at him from Madrid. Is that a step too far? I don't know. Someone of that calibre, maybe he'd do well in the Spanish League, I would say. So who knows? Who knows? Him and Neves would be bottled we'll take them I'm sure. Yeah, they, they, they'd work in tandem amazingly. Just on your point, though, Deck, about um, like when Lampard came in and sort of we he took us, took us over in 16th and finished in 16th. Um, I think we have to look at the metrics behind that, though, and the, the minutia and the detail, basically inside the black box, um, getting all the business speak out there now. Um, in that, Rafford won, I think, one in 14 games. And, yeah, it started, well, like, August, September in some meh kind of kind of fixtures you'd normally not expect Everton to win because you never expect any team to win a game particularly, but the games that we should have been winning. But we hadn't run away game since Brighton at the start of the season, you know. And we, not that we won many, we think we won away at Leicester, that was it. But the turnaround in terms of, we were on a downward stretch, we were on a, on a we were hurtling like a meteorite towards the championship. And I, I don't use that word lightly. We were absolutely like nosediving head first below. We'd have ended up below Watford, I maintain, if we'd have carried on with Rafa. Maybe not Norwich, but who knows. But we'd have ended up not just 18th, but 19th, at least on the Rafa, I think. Because he well and truly, to say he'd lost the dressing room implies that he had it. I don't think he ever had the dressing room. And... You know, yeah, you, you can't man. lose something you never had. And the whole Luca Dean thing, the Anwar El Ghazi nonsense with Keir Jarabchin, the then sacking Rafa after all that in January was a complete nightmare. And Lampard came in and steadied the ship. And yes, it took time because it was a very, very volatile place to be, Everton Football Club this season. Um, and Lampard, okay, he, he's navigated some choppy seas. It's still far from calm and plain sailing going into the new season, which we can discuss next month, of course. But he did what was asked of him, which was initially keep us up, keep us in this league, and then you can build. And there's gonna be there is gonna be money there, but almost I hope there's not too much money there, which I know sounds strange, but I hope we're given a remit whereby right, you've only got this much. Use it wisely. Be selective. Be careful how you spend your budget. Because, as we know, Everton with a major budget usually spunk against the wall. So, that's the reason we're in this mess in the first place with FFP. So, I hope, actually, we've got a restricted budget to spend on. And recruit wiser, not wider. If that makes sense. I think it's more, is it the season we needed as Everton fans? I'm going to say need as a, a weird way to put it. But if you look at the likes of Leicester, for example, uh, I'm not saying they're going to win the league next season. Let's not talk complete nonsense. But they flirted with relegation. They're pretty close to it. And I think it bound them all together to a certain point of like, okay, well, this is serious now. Let's, we're not performing the level that we should be. Put it that way. And I think a lot of the players, come up, I've said that at the end of the season, and it's very easy to send a tweet and Instagram posts, etc. Or if you're Calvert-Lewin, go pose in vogue I don't know whatever he does but also he spoke very good he's, I, I laugh I make jokes about it but actually he spoke about mental health which I appreciate from um, 
from a, a male point of view, I think we all appreciate that, how he came out and said that it's very easy to think of footballers as just machines to go out and play a game you know, once, twice a week. And he said about the impact that it had and the injuries, etc. And that did help our season. But I think it might be, it could either be a, a turning point where you realise that it, it, this is as bad as it needs to get, as it ever can get. And you build from there and hopefully we don't then go into the downward spiral. Like, for example, Leeds done over the years or you know, those, those teams that have been Premier League mainstays who did get relegated. Um, and we're sat here in 12 months' time. Not in Europe, not in not you know fighting for anything in particular, but just steadier and at least with a goal and you can see what we're trying to do and what we're trying to achieve going forward because that's been the issue. It's been such a mess for five, six years. This doesn't come as a shock to most Everton fans. They've seen this coming for bloody miles uh, miles off. And it gives us a chance with a lot of players going. Um, the obvious ones that have been announced in the past past week. Um, that's Fabian Delph, who would have been on, would have been on big money. Um, the obvious name redacted has gone as well. Uh, it does give us a bit of leeway and you hope that Lampard can bring in some young, hungry players because that's kind of what we need. We just need some younger players who give a shit. Because that's been the issue with players like they don't give a shit. Go on, Doug. Yeah, no, I think it, it's just refreshing to hear um, from, from kind of a, a Premiership fan's perspective there that it's not going to be... And again, you know, we, we don't want to go too much into next season, obviously, and spoil um, a, another podcast. But I think it's refreshing to hear that there's the, not this expectation that it's just going to be, you know, money will fix all because money doesn't fix all. Um, you know, down down at our kind of levels and as far even as League One, you know, teams can fluctuate between, you know, teasing relegation and teasing the playoffs within, you know, a season or less than a season. Um, because the margins at our level are so much smaller and it can be that difference of having one or two players. The Premiership is such a, a complex beast. Every single team, it doesn't matter who you play in week in, week out, you know, everything is organised down to, you know, who does the left shoelace and the right shoelace first. Every single little element that can affect the game is, is kind of well rehearsed and well driven. Um and I think as you're saying there in terms of Jimmy the the budget that you know money doesn't fix all I know I, I mean I don't know the ins and outs of it but I know that Everton obviously do need to be quite careful with the money anyway um, I think that's that's been fairly well publicised you know over the last couple of months that they don't want to then get themselves in to some kind of like financial fair play problem or where they overspend the net nothing back I think as you're saying if they can steady the ship next year and kind of secure that mid table possibly push top you know bottom half of top you know bottom end sorry of top 10 um that that will be a fantastic season for for Everton for Lampard and obviously the the players involved um you know if there's a couple of, and I think as football fans as well if you can kind of accept that at the start of a season and know that you're going to have some really good highs you know steal a result away at city or win one of the derbies or that kind of thing and just have kind of the small steps for now or as you had this year really had a, fa- a fairly decent cup run um, you know, as to whether you could secure that kind of mid-table, but safe, you know, nowhere near, you know, what I will say, looking over your what shoulder I will say, and going down. This is very, very strange. Or, or it's like weird that. to have something at the end of the season that you're actually playing for. I've not had that in a while. I'm not saying I want it again. I'm not saying I want to be sat here next April going, oh shit, we're going to get relegated. But it made the end of the season a bit more interesting. <laughs> that much I will say. But there, uh, with everything else going on. But yeah, I agree. I agree with the deck. I agree 100%. Um, there's changes that have, have, well, have already been made. The, 
I will say this: a, a, a lot of credit has got to go to those fans who go and week out. It's very easy to, for us to sit here. I mean, Deck obviously you're a season ticket holder at, um, at Tramere, but you know me and Jim, we went to what two games this season? Not that it was particularly great to go to any game, um, but those fans at Goodison dragged that team over the line in some of those games. Chelsea at home brings to mind. Man United brings to mind. The Palace game in particular, um, that really did, and I give them full credit for everything they did. I think it was um, coming up twi- the fan group they call Hans Tours, I think it is, who organise a lot of the um, outside the ground, the parades and the smoke bombs and go and see them when they probably went to Leicester, that kind of stuff. And it's a fair play to, you know, if you to really get behind that team. Uh, and it definitely showed for a team that didn't give us much back up until, let's be honest, end of March, early April. Um, that was absolutely fair play to those fans who do go in week in, week out. And they deserve more. They deserve a lot more. And I hope this season, or next season, I should say, they've got something to shout about. A cup run would be great. I think a cup run would be ideal for us. Um, just to get that, get rid of that thing on our back of, what, beyond 26 years now? Uh, 27. Um, no, 27 years even, I should say. It can only be 27 years. That Get that monkey off our back and at least then we can go forward. And it can't get rid of like, the elephants in the room and you go, okay, well, we can relax a bit now. That bit we focus on. Um, but that's obviously... A lot easier said than done with the likes of City and Liverpool already strengthened for next season, but we'll cover that later, I'm sure. Yeah, um, I think really to summarise, unless anyone's going to say, um, to be perfectly honest with Everton, is yes, one, the fans really, the change of culture to support us was class, and that's the only positive I can really take from the back end of this season. Um, Fab Mashiri's come out with his message to the fans, and he's, he's said a lot of the right things. Whether he's still here at the beginning of next season is a different conversation to be had. Maybe next month, and speaking of next month, and no, we're not supposed to be previewing next season yet. But there's nothing about the season after. So I reckon Everton Football Club 2024 Europa Conference League winners. You heard it here first, and um, last. Up the toffees, up the toffees. Indeed. And uh, speaking of trophy droughts, we're going to do what Rugby League does best and head along the M62. Uh, sorry, Rugby League fans. To Rochdale, of course, the only club in England, uh, Football League, that's got a longer trophy drought than Everton, Greg. Um, that wasn't end of this season, unless finishing middle, bottom half of League 2 gets you a trophy for some reason. Um, right, right, hang on, hang on. I'm going to interject. On this point about trophy droughts, I looked at that list. They've been a little bit... Okay, can you really count a playoff trophy as a trophy? Uh, like, Dak, you might want to come in on this one. Are we in that crowd? No, please. I'm. I'm. I would personally say no, because because <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Let me. That's all. I'll make my point in depth. You feel free to tell me I'm being a, a moron. Feel free. But yeah, it's not really a trophy, is it? You not. You. I get the fact you won a final, but it's you finished like sixth. And you can still go. It's clutching at straws a little bit. Am I being it's not a so bit much of a it's the promotion that goes with it? It's the day out at Wembley. It's the. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. That's not, I've got no issue. That's what, that's what I mean. It is a, it's it's not is a major it trophy in the respect of league, FA Cup, League Cup, whatever. But it, for for football, it's beyond I the, Premier, argue, below the Premier League, below the Championship. It's it's one of the few chances they're going to get outside of the Johnson's Papa Pizza. Dr. Martin's Pepper Cup, whatever it's called. I think I've name-dropped so many sponsors there. We're definitely going to get sued. Um, 
it's the one real chance they're going to get other than winning the league, which only one team can win each division each season. It is a trophy. Matt, you haven't experienced sitting on a stairwell in China I... celebrating <laughs> winning the fifth division playoffs with a bunch of Chinese people around yeah, you having no I, clue but... what's going on while you're running around right. with a hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. going up hang at on. Like hang midnight. On. You cannot tell me that that is not winning a trophy. I'm not. I'm not saying you it's just yeah, said it's not winning. You haven't trophy. won a trophy. You haven't won a trophy. You've won promotion. There's the trophy, trophy is just a tag on that you get with it. I do... oh, I'm happy to be told otherwise, but yeah, I think that's clutching at straws a little bit. If it were me, go on, deck. Please tell me I make a knob. Here's, here's a bit of food for thought. It's a mini cup. Well, not like the Alley Alley off eight rounds season, mini you know, cup tournament. Not like that. Right, that's what, to me, that's what I'm liking it to. If I'm honest. No. It's no. a bit like Ellerbrin celebrating the Mel- Melbourne the Cup. We won. Bring an Aldi Cup in the pre-season. Okay. <laughs> I'll agree to disagree on that one. But to me, it's a... There's at least an hour-long podcast of me going, yeah, right, you're all chatting shit. It's not a trophy. And you Matt three having to go at me. He hates the, he hates the no, I don't. No, 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 no. Don't put words in my mouth. Don't dare put words in my mouth. Don't dare. It is like, it is like getting a trophy for finishing in the top four. Unsubscribe, guys. It is 100%. I put it in the same bracket. I put it in the same bracket as the top four getting in the Premier League. Sorry, the Champions League and the Premier League. It's bollocks. You cannot finish fourth in your in your league and be classified well, as a champion. You don't trophy Tosh. I'm not saying you do win a trophy finish, but I put it in the same sort of situation of celebrating something when you Matt, haven't we won it. Finishing 16th. You can't win your league. Not the point. <clears throat> First of all, we didn't celebrate for the people. That was more relief. That wasn't celebration. That was sheer panic. Yeah, all right. Yeah, that was more funny because you were abusing Patrick Vieira of all the people you could pick on. Pick on Roy Keane at the same time as well. Really get your head kicked in. I'll agree to disagree. All right, I'll let you have it. I'll I'll back down slightly, but no. Um, If we have any Nottingham Forest fans, by the way, or indeed, let's get those Sunderland fans back on and try telling them. Any Grimsby I've fans? Met, I met two Nottingham Forest fans. Did I met two Nottingham Forest fans in Rob's. Funny that, isn't it? No, yeah. I said to them I was happy Funny they got that, promoted. Yeah. Funny you didn't have a discussion with them. I didn't say congrats for your trophy. I said I didn't say congrats for your trophy. I said, well, we're going to get up. I'd have preferred you to go up to Huddersfield. Nothing against Huddersfield. Just quite like to see Forest back in the Premier League. Yeah, I agree. We'll, we'll talk about that in That's a bit, I'm going. sure. But didn't, I... say, didn't say enjoy your so trophy for me. at the end of the game, Matt, what did the Forest players go and do? Hook their families. Before that, I don't. I don't know. Before that, they walked up. That, load, they walked up. I get the point you're making. And what did they? I get like the that point you're making. Meme, just lift up that fresh air. <laughs> I'll. I'll. Tell, I'll back down before I cause what internal what, fractions. What about just a medal and not the trophy? Is that anything? Could you do that instead? Yes, it's a runner-up, runner up, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose it is, isn't it, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I... Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, go on, Dak. Go on, Dak. How about instead of having a Champions Trophy, a promotion trophy and a playoff trophy that everyone lifts the but same then trophy the winners who won the league wouldn't be very happy to share the trophy with a team who might have in finished the true sixth. spirit of school sports day why doesn't every player get a medal regardless of where they finish because everybody gets to a shiny professional second. footballer everyone's a fucking winner <laughs> you're part of the 0.1% I can see what Matt's saying. I, can, I get it now because everyone sort of frowns upon the community shield as counting as something. But then at the same exactly. time, exactly. Oh, Thank you, Greg. That was what I was trying to make this point this entire time. But that was the, the point time, I was trying to make, and you look, wouldn't okay, make you make it. Matt, when was at the same okay, time, Matt, I, I suppose okay, Matt, the playoff is the last trophy then. It's the FA Cup. Don't you try and catch that? Because I know it's community shield back in '96. Not the point. It's the charity shield. Not the point. Not the it point. Is. It's not. In my head, it's the FA Cup. Okay, well, the then we go right down the list of honours then, don't no, we? If, if right, we... anyway, regardless, trophy dads, I think there's no doubt, Greg, that besides the 1912 Lancashire Senior Cup, which I don't think has been going for over the last 60-odd years, that Rochdale are in the, I, w- I want to say near the end of a trophy drought, but we'll say in the middle at the moment. Let's hope not smack bang in the middle. Anyway, regardless. Wow. We'll finally get on to your season. Sorry about that. Some obtuse mm. fucker decided the playoffs weren't a trophy. That's fine. So... Mm. We'll move on swiftly. <laughs> I made my point. We'll talk I about stick trophies again until the second part of this podcast when we talk about promotions and people winning things. Anyway, Greg Rochdale, discuss go. Okay, so finished 18th and somehow I think 15 points clear, safe. And I remember maybe not the last pod or the pod before that. I was like, oh, I don't know if we're going to stay up. I don't know if we're going to do that. But I think. When you're looking from the outside, sometimes you see it a bit clearer. Like you, like Jimmy and Deck and Matt were all like, oh, no, I think you'll be fine. But it's not always the case when you're experiencing that as a fan. It's a bit like somebody saying to Everton, oh, you'll be fine, you're Everton. But it wasn't always going to be that straightforward and it was never going to be a given. You always see it from a different perspective, don't you? So I, I was convinced that, yeah, we're still in a relegation battle. We're still in there. We're still going to be down there. But obviously... Scunthorpe had, um, I don't know what they well, they were a bit of a mess, weren't they, all over the place, Scunthorpe, but you're always going to be old, and I can't remember who else it was, was it Stevenage, not Stevenage, somebody else were down there, and it was between three and three, and then the points get narrow, and the games get, you know, oh, we're five points off, we're ten points off, we're fine, and then it becomes sort of more of a, you can relax a little bit, but yeah, it wasn't, wasn't particularly an enjoying season, it was just very, don't know, it, I mean, obviously, I'm in the uh, Joe Bunny support group uh, WhatsApp uh, chat, and we were just saying, we were just saying that like, the past two, three seasons, there's just been no urgency, and it always gets to like the end of the season where we play with some urgency. It's almost as if we get to like March, you go, oh, hey, up, lads, hang on, we need to get something here, but it shouldn't shouldn't be that way, really. It shouldn't have to be so close to the end of the season that you have to start playing football, I suppose. So no, I mean they didn't go to that many games this year. With that, there were no. Um, I lost a bit of enthusiasm for it a little bit. I was watching it on iFollow and things like that. And like my dad's not particularly gone to a few. I think he's only gone to two games all season. My dad, he's just sort of fed up with it. He's like, I went to the house yesterday and he's like, yeah, don't really talk about season tickets. He's like, no, I don't know. Can't really connect with any of the players and we didn't play very well. But I think that's also to do with COVID. 
So COVID, obviously nobody's been to games and things like that, the COVID season. And then afterwards, if you're not playing particularly well, you're, sort of, you're still in that sort of, not rhythm, but um, routine of not going. So there's nothing to go for sometimes. But if, if we're battering people, three, teams 3-0 and 4-0, probably would have, would have gone. But I think the COVID season didn't help in terms of nobody turning up and then you get into your habits, don't you? Um, so yeah, I mean, we're safe, we're safe, which is fine. Um, I didn't particularly think the quality of League Two was that great. I think Deck might agree with me. It wasn't an outstanding. There weren't like eight great teams in there or anything like that. Go on, Jim. No, no, just going back to you about the COVID season and the effect that probably had on um, attendances. Obviously, not last season, as in the season just gone. Um, do you think also the fact you were relegated during COVID, obviously as well, that double whammy of fans weren't allowed in the stadium for a year and a half or whatever it was, you got relegated, then fans were allowed back in, but you, it's almost like you've been away, but we're now a division below, the standard's worse. Do you think that's maybe been a deterrent for a lot of people as well, wondering, well, money's tight, I'm going to spend it elsewhere, or I'm going to save it, or I'm going to, you know utilise it especially with the way not to get too political but the way the price of everything's going up at the moment petrol and utilities and, and all that bills and whatnot. I think people maybe thought yeah it's not worth it going to watch some fourth division quaggers after you know a couple of years away I think so yeah we're only a small fan base we only get like 3,200 a week a home game and I think when you've got Man City down the road, but we've spoke about it on previous episodes where you can get to a game for 20 quid, and that's world-class football, a few people are going watching City or whoever, and different, or doing other options, or staying in and watching a film, or doing video games. There's, there's other options now. Whereas, like, years ago, like, when, like my dad ran about it, it's like, oh, like, in the 70s, there weren't a lot of other options to do. It's like cricket, football, rugby, and that were it, really. But now we've got a bit more variety or staying in and things like that so I think that's one thing and habits obviously continuing from Covid and things like that but when I were going to the home games there were a few fans that, that weren't there that that used to be so I was thinking oh where's, where's that lad that used to sit there and then where's the other lad and it's just I mean it's not going to be for every team but I, I saw that going coming back after a year and a half like what you said Jim after that Covid season and things like that the people weren't there and then there were Faces that you don't recognise and things like that. So there is a sort of you sort of lose the not desire, but you sort of people aren't there that you used to be, and you're not playing very well. Then you're getting thumped, and then it's you haven't won in eight games and things like that. So there's no real people just knocking on the head. Some of them. I mean, I only went to a few home games, admittedly, but I went to a few few away games. But yeah, it was just a bit of a flat season, I think you could say. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that, Greg. Um, I think just going back to what you were saying um, in terms of the quality across League 2 as well, I'd, I'd absolutely agree. I think going back to, I don't know whether it was the last podcast that went out or the one before, um, and we made our predictions in terms of end of season, and I said on there that Forest Dream wouldn't run away with it and that Exeter really did and you know, that, that went down to the wire, and I think, you know, certainly towards the back end of the season, Forest Dream was starting to show a few cracks in the armour. They were untouchable for... You know, a good three quarters of the season, but they started to stumble. Um, obviously, Exeter came good towards the back end, but they were hit and miss all the way through the season. Really, Port Vale, 
Um, I think again were one of the teams that I said would would probably be up and around there. They were, I think they were about eighth or ninth, I think when when we spoke. Um, but as a whole, I think the standard of football, as you were saying, was quite low. Um, and again, you look at it as where where teams are a little bit conservative in terms of their spending this season. You know, the first season having fans back in properly. Um, you know, post-COVID season, is, was it just very much a, a thing for a lot of teams to just survive for the season and just, you know, remain in League Two? If you, you know, if you get a couple of players playing well and you get a bit of a run together, see where it takes you. But apart from that, just be happy to to be where we are for another year and then push on. Um, I think just in terms of, I know we're obviously still on Rotsdale, but in terms of the recruitment and stuff like that, that. I've seen with ourselves and some other teams, it, it looks to be, you know, there's not mega money being spent, but recruitment seems to be a little bit more strategic as well looking forward. I think last year was a lot of kind of old and familiar faces coming back to different teams and kind of sticking with what people people knew would, would work really. And as you say, I think the standard because of that was, was generally quite poor. It was just a kind of, well, we'll turn up. We'll play football it's just by your, I mean, from a personal point of view, you are quite glad that Wrexham didn't get promoted. But from a... <laughs> no, we'll, we'll touch on that in the second part of the pod. Let's not encroach, boys. But yes, that but is... No, 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 no. Hang on. But from a football point of view, I mean, again, I'm looking forward to next season, but if they had come up with the money they've got behind them, would that have caused a lot of other teams to have to kind of show their hand try and follow suit, think, if that makes sense, to try and not match them. I think we're slightly one that the Football League, we'll get onto this more later, the Football League um, is subject to FFP rulings that National League aren't. And Stockport, I'm not exactly sure of a few, True. so it's, yeah, True. it's. I see what you're saying though, but obviously we'll get onto that a bit later on, definitely. Um, but just on League 2 a bit more, from both your perspectives really, you found the quality of the league um, quite poor, and I'd say from what I've seen as well, um, there weren't many sides that came to Prenton Park or, you know, that when I was there that I thought really impressed me. I do think, though, that um, Port Vale were one of them, I have to say, that I thought were quite solid. But are there any teams in particular that you've seen either, uh, obviously, in person or away games or I follow, whatever it may be, you know, whether it be a side that's gone up, a side that hasn't, that actually has shown wow, they're actually a really good side for this level of season. Anyone from either of you? Because you might have different perspectives depending on the games you've seen. Um, I think just from games that not necessarily really involving us, just games in general. Um, Bristol Rovers, I have to say, they played some very free-flowing attack and football. And again, if the standard across the division was slightly different, would they have been as successful as they were? Probably not. They kind of approached pretty much every game with let's go and outstore the opposition, which arguably is is the way to go. Um, so Bristol, for me, were, were quite a solid side. I think you touched there on Port Vale. They kind of had that never-say-die attitude, scored a lot of late and important goals. Um, and I think we've all been involved in enough seasons now whereby you get to that last say seven or eight games and the same teams are popping up you know 89th minute equaliser 91st minute winner and so on and Port Vale were one of those sides quite consistently towards the end of the season they were just starting to to tick really and um, they didn't hit playoffs in spectacular form I'm just looking there they, they'd won three and lost two of the five games leading up to the playoffs so they weren't by any means you know steamrolling sides but I think they always had that that little bit of firepower behind them 
Um, so f- for me, they were they were probably the standout too. Swindon played some okay football, um, but again, they they obviously they, they fell up short. But I was looking. Um, I think Mans- they, they Mansfield are one team that were well. I don't know always picking reckon. up the points. And you, I'm looking week in week out, thinking, how are we doing? How are we doing? How are Salford or whoever? And Mansfield are always getting the three points in the bag, draw three points, draw, and they were doing a good run at one point. I know it sort of got a little bit um, bobbly at the end. I think it was like win, lose, draw, or something around that. But I always thought they were looking promising at one point. I was a bit surprised that Port Vale beat them. I know, I know, we were saying that Port Vale actually played played well or had a good season. But I always thought, I had him in, in my head. I was just thinking, no, I think Mansfield will be all right. Yeah, I was a bit surprised that they got beat. Just, just picking on the um, on the top teams. I was a, you, you might have seen the Bristol result. Was it the last game of the season? Was it seven nil? Do you think that's a little bit suspicious that they needed seven goals to get promoted and got seven goals? Is there anything in that? I didn't quite. I thought. I think there's something in there that's not quite right. I know, but. I don't know. I, I thought that was a bit peculiar. That over yes, winning three nil, but seven precisely seems a bit. I can see. I can see what you're saying, though. I can see what you're saying, and they, and they were crap. So, uh, scum thought. I can see that side of it. I don't know if it's suspicious, though. Is it a little bit seven seven goals needing? I'm got. I'm getting seven. Yeah, yeah. It it. In the moment, it didn't seem that at all. In the moment, it was I, I was sat here watching. Obviously, the last couple, well, the, the last um, kind of round of fixtures of the season, and flicking between, and and obviously seeing their goals coming in on Sky Sports, and you thinking, surely not. And I don't know whether that kind of alludes to that kind of just go all out and attack. They knew exactly what they had to achieve. Stunthorpe had absolutely nothing to play for. It didn't matter to them whether they shipped eight goals or conceded one or won the game. It, it was making no odds to them. But I think, as you're saying, in retrospect, to actually go and achieve that is either something quite outstanding, even though you're playing a very, very poor side, to go and store seven goals against the side in your own division um, is something... But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm not suggesting any kind of match or anything yeah. like that. But it is. I think what we're forgetting though quite a, is that a difficult one, isn't it? In terms of Bristol Rovers' remit at the start of the, season, the start of the game, sorry, wasn't to win by seven goals. They had to better Man, um, Northampton's result by five goals or more. Now Northampton were actually three-one up at Barrow when um, Bristol Rovers' seventh goal went in. Now the bit that for me, it's all clear, all fine. I mean, the bit that sort of... And it's not Bristol Rovers, it's the team's fault. My issue I have with that is that then, once the seventh goal went in, what did the Bristol Rovers fans do? Do what every sports group's done this season, it seems, and invade the pitch. That then causes a 15-20 minute delay in the Bristol Rovers game. Meanwhile, the Barrow-Northampton game finishes. Therefore, there's 15-20 minutes left when the game restarts, or whatever it was. Probably actually only about five minutes left, I think, when the game restarts for Bristol Rovers. Knowing full well Northampton have won three one at Barrow, that's it. Um, and they then know as long as they don't concede, that's it done. They know what they need to do. Then the games weren't played in parallel with each other because there was a delay in the last five ten minutes of the Bristol Rovers fixture. Up until then, it was a case of just go out and outscore the worst team in the division, who's playing largely their youth team because they're going down and their first team has been crap anyway. That's why Keith Hill picked the players he did. 
they'd actually played their youth team the last few days because a lot of the senior players were out of contract or whatever or were going out of contract. And I think the big issue, again, has to be that pitch invasion, that problem there, then pitch perpetuate the fact that then Bristol Rovers knew, look, lads, all we have to do now is not, we don't need to score, don't need to concede, hold on to a 7-0 victory and we're up because the Bristol Rovers, the uh, Northampton game had finished. So I think that was slightly wrong, but then there's not a lot that could be done about from either Bristol Rovers, the club, or Northampton's you know, um, perspective. That's on the supporters, I'd argue. But I don't think that's match-fixing. I think that's just, unfortunately, they're being rewarded for having actually done wrong with supporters. They're sort of creating their own buffering time there, aren't they, in terms of pitch invasion and things like that. They've created a bit of a... Yeah, bit of a buffering time, I would, I would say. Not forget, and not forgetting as well that if Barrow hadn't got that goal back, Northampton would have gone up. Because then Northampton would have won by three clear goals and they'd have gone up by one goal. Anyway, on to the League 2 still. We've spoke a bit about Rochdale. Deck, what would you like to add regarding Tramia? I mean, from my perspective and yours as well, started meh, then it was like, ooh, might go up here. Then we got the second and I thought, oh, might even win the league. And then, well, I'll let you finish this tale of well. Yeah, you, you, you left me with the exciting part of the story there, didn't you, Jimmy? Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, it all went to pot, really. I think I alluded to it slightly earlier on in, in the podcast that I think we could kind of see where it was going. Um, realistically, did we recruit properly at the start of the season? Probably not. Um, I think Rovers, as much as they would deny it, I think they again they were quite conservative in terms of the players that they brought in, not necessarily knocking the caliber, but in terms of a lot of players who you would argue were kind of past their best, maybe um, a few panic buys or panic loans or signings in January. Um, I have to say that the Hemming signing from Burton, in all honesty, he, he got a lot of unnecessary stick from some of our supporters and I really don't understand why. He's a he looks like a lazy striker, but he's not a lazy striker. He's a very I think he's a very intelligent attacking player myself. Um I think off the top of my head he he got something like eight goals and six assists or so he was directly involved in over twenty goals or or some kind of mad stat and actually when you think of that in a side who were not scoring goals, um, you know, second half of the season that's a fairly good return. Um but I, just just kinda of looking there towards our results towards the end of the season. What was so infuriating for me take away the fact obviously that we missed out on the playoffs the last game of the season and yet you know we could have could have should have and would have possibly have got automatic promotion we didn't and and that's you know the, the matter of fact we weren't good enough but how on earth did we go 10 games away from home without a win and not just 10 games away from home without a win and playing well we were awful to then go and get an away win last game of the season to late orient i really don't i'm not saying for any second that the players didn't give a hundred percent effort, quite clearly they did. But why did it take until that last game of the season for a change in tactic or a change of approach? They knew that they had to go there and get a result. But three or four weeks earlier on they knew that they had to go and get a result to secure automatic and they didn't. It was almost like, oh well we've got the safety safety net there of the playoffs. We won't possibly slip out of them. And it kinda of bit them on the arse a little well, quite a bit actually. Um so all in all Ups and downs, some very exciting moments of the season, some real highlights. The Mansfield game and the Swindon results will kind of live 
Um, I say long in the memory, they'll, they'll be forgotten by the start of next season, but there were a few big games there at Prenton Park. Um, but I think as a whole, a learning curve, yes. Have we learnt from our lessons? Who knows? The, as I say, the recruitment looking into next season so far looks quite strong. They seem to have replaced a lot of has-beens or older players for much younger um, players who you know potentially could earn us a couple of quid in the future. And I think that's the way that we need to go now. Um, yeah, that's all. Is, is it released really. Peter Clark? Is he is he gone now? Is that oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Yeah, Clark was offered from from what I believe he was offered a kind of player coach role. I think he was he was basically told that you'll be involved in the squad, but you won't necessarily be first choice. And he decided that he wanted to go somewhere and get more game time, which you know you've you've got to respect if he feels that he's up for another full season as first choice centre back. Absolutely fine. He, you know, he had a fantastic season for us from a Walsall fan point of view. Signed on a forty. What I'm going to be wrong here now. I think forty-one-year-old centre back or forty-year-old centre back as your first choice from the start of the you know start of the season. I'm not sure I'd be overly happy with that. Yeah, he's proven and yeah, he's shown that he can do it. I'm going to say he had a great first half of the season from what I remember. Probably bleeding into the second half slightly, but I don't. I remember you saying that you were playing quite a lot of games, a lot of minutes anyway. Yeah, I think he was one of the only players last season in the whole league to not miss a, a minute of league football. I'm pretty sure he played all the way through. And but I've just realised what I've said there. It, uh, no disrespect to Peter Clark at all. I, you know, a superb servant to our club and a lot of other clubs as well. Um, I do just kind of feel that potentially a role like we were suggesting could have been a little bit better suited maybe towards him. But you know, I wish him well at Walsall. I hope he does have a solid season. Um, I just kind of think that Walsall maybe have fallen down the trap that we did last season of signing players who, you know, will come in and do a job but do nothing more. If that makes sense, that they'll just kind of they'll give a hundred percent, but it's not necessarily going to be the best that you could go and get. It's interesting that you talk about that in terms of uh, players of that age bracket. I know Salford City have released quite a few players, and they've they've released Ian Anderson, who's like our one of the best players we've ever had. I think he's two two goals off. Rochdale's all-time list, uh, goal scorer list, and all the Dale fans are like, oh, get him, sign him, sign him, sign him. But at what point do you draw the line, deck? You know, in terms of offering them more than what you would, and you can't, you, like you were saying before about you can't really sell them on because they're not, you can't. What you're going to get out of it at the end of it is it's a difficult um, sort of discussion that I guess with the managers and things like that. Like, where do you draw the line with a players of a certain age? I guess. Yeah, I think a similar conversation that I would assume probably happened with um, Jay Spearing. Um, so I think Jay was around the 35 mark-ish, 35, 36. So yeah, he, he probably had another one or two seasons in that position, certainly at our level or possibly at the com- uh, conference level. Um, I think he's gone to pursue some kind of media uh, career and coaching career with Liverpool, which to be fair to him is perfect. He's probably making more money than he was playing. Um, you know, he's he's took that pressure away from him and his family. But he's in my eyes, sim- you know, Clark would have been the same if Clark had turned around and retired. They've gone out on a high. Um, obviously, the only older player now that we've retained and signed at him for next season is Joe Murphy, the the keeper, who is forty or forty one. I think he's forty. Um, and to be to be quite honest, I think a goalkeeper can, if they look after themselves, they can play into the early forties without a problem. Um, it's not a position where you you know your knees are going to go from running and whatnot. If your reactions are still there, um, there's no reason why you can't play on. And he he was for me was one of our 
stronger and more reliable or consistent players certainly the second half of the season um yeah so i think you know it's important every side has that kind of core of experienced players but i think maybe last season we were or the season just on maybe slightly imbalanced and had a few too many older players um so i hope hopefully this season will be will be slightly different okay well has anyone got anything else to say regarding our particular flaws in the season that's been or any further questions at all no i think we covered everything just a quick one i'll uh, I'll, I'll blitz through these but uh we, dale have already signed a few players uh we've signed ethan e blanks landell from shrewsbury who we used to have a few years ago as a center back uh i think we got him on a free i think but he was quite a solid player when we had him first time round. But you never know, do you? When it's the second time round, you don't. When you get a player on loan and you think, "Oh, he's good, but sign me permanently." Sometimes it doesn't always follow through, does it? With form and how they used to play, or are they playing for a contract? And as soon as they get a contract, they dip off a little bit. So there's things like that, isn't there? Sometimes, but yeah, we've we've just signed him. Uh, Stephen Dooley has left Rochdale to go to Harrogate, which I'm quite happy about because didn't rate him in the slightest. And that's all I have to say about Dale. <laughs> Haven't you lost, is it Ewan O'Connor to Forest Green as well? Or one of them, Corey O'Keefe? One of, one one of, of them was um, one of the, one of the O'Keefe players. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we had Danny, um, second cousin Danny Ron January, maybe, and he was talking about that we went, we basically. What's that, sorry? Is your cousin Danny gone Forest Green as oh. well? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, he was talking about Corey O'Keefe that we signed him in January and it, we had to like move rocks and mountains to sign him and it like, he didn't really play that well. But he did make 10 assists throughout the season. So that is quite a good return somewhere, one way or another. But um, he's gone now. So it is what it is. Um, Forest Green, yeah. I mean, you're not going to turn that down, are you really? League One. So, yeah. I. Uh- I mean, think of the Grassburgers. I was going to say, I hope he uh, doesn't miss a steak too much and his chicken. Um, but in all fairness... There's definitely no mixture there. In all fairness, anyway. we can get onto Forest Green at a later point. Um, but I think that wraps up um, part one, or episode 23 for now, reviewing Everton, Tramley and Rochdale's fortunes of the 2021-22 season. I want to thank you all, gents, for joining us today. Um, again, if you have any questions, please get in touch with us at Men in Blue Podcast on a variety of social media platforms. And until next time, when we do a full season review of the story that was, then we'll see you again soon. Bye for now. Bye, everyone. Cheers, everyone.